Law Focus Podcast. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Welcome to Law Focus, the show with a staunch focus on the law. My name is Veronica Mahwadi, your voice of law for the evening, right here on Vow FM 88.1. On the 28th of September, we celebrated International Safe Abortion Day. So the day was marked with a march and it was organized by various organizations that advocate for the access of free and legal abortions. The purpose of this day is to break the silence and the stigma around abortion by creating conversations around sexual and reproductive health. The day also aims to emphasize that abortion is legal in South Africa and to inform women about their rights and how to utilize them. And that's what we'll be discussing here on Law Focus, illegal abortions as well as the choice of termination of Pregnancy Act. We'll be joined by a medical practitioner, Dr. Malusi Dlamini, as well as a human rights lawyer and an investigation officer from the VITS Gender Equity Office, Zwanaka Nechifulani. Of course, this wouldn't be a conversation without your input. If you do wish to join the conversation, you can send me a tweet on VAWFM using the hashtag LawFocus. You can also send us a voice note on WhatsApp. The number to dial is 0840784912. Do stay tuned for the upcoming discussion. Before we get into that, of course, we always start the show with the hottest legal stories. Here are the legal hotspots for the week. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories of the week. It's legal hotspots. I'm joined in studio by one of our researchers for Law Focus, Siabonga Mota. Uh, he'll be giving us our legal hotspots for this evening. What do you have for us? Well, we'll start with um, Nicolas Ninao, who is allegedly um, accused of raping a 70 year old girl. A few days after the incident, media houses did not publicize the name of the accused. Where the media, um, I mean, where the media houses is not supposed to say the name because um, they were protecting the child or they were protecting the accused. That is still a question of that has been asked by quite a lot of people. Mm, I remember when it came out because a lot of the backlash was, why are we not saying this man's name? Why are we not shaming and naming him? But I do also understand that there are certain legalities that go around such a sensitive case, especially one that involves a child. And it was quite gruesome. Yeah, according according to law, he he was not um, mentioned. His name was not mentioned because he's not been he was not being charged by that time. So they couldn't say his name, mm. and they had to protect him until he was charged, mm. and then we can call him a rapist after he's been found guilty. Mm, mm, mm. So that's the law around it. I mean, he was caught red-handed. I mean, it's. Yeah, but that, I, I guess that's also another part of the conversation because you can say, how is he accused when, you know, we saw it, we, we, we saw it happening. We've got witnesses who say, you know, we saw the young, the, the, the man following um, um, the child into the bathroom. But this is also what comes in and what's also so unique and precious about our constitution is that as much as we can see something is in the wrong, it protects both people. Yeah, both and sides. that is the yeah. law. Mm. Yeah. So we're moving to a story covered by Channel 24, where radio DJ Sasha Martinengo has been dismissed from Hot 91.9 FM with immediate effect following comments he made during on-air broadcast on The Breakfast Show on Tuesday. During the broadcast, the host made comments where he said, and I quote, and people still listen to this monkey, referring to the leader of the economy freedom fighters, Julius Malema. You know, this one is a little bit tricky. You know, after that, the national spokesperson of the EFF, Mbuseni Ndlozi, said they welcome the firing of uh, Martinengo, 
but they will open a case against him. So we know this um, he did a, a, a racial misconduct. So mm. if they open a case against him, it is crime injuria. Mm, another one. Another one. Just just like, it's another it's one. It's like Adam Katsavellos. And, and all these, and so many others. But I think, you know, with this one, it's everybody knows, you know, with that word monkey, whether you agree with somebody's views or not, it's, it's such a sensitive thing to say. Yeah, especially this one is from a white person to a black person. I mean, that in itself also creates a different kind of conversation. But, yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Um, the last story we're looking at um, the the strike that's happening in Westbury. Mm. Um, yeah. So obviously, there's there was a woman who was killed. Um, it, it's 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 sad, and the child was also um, injured. But when we we on this one, we're just talking about the difference between a march, a strike, and a protest mm. because we confuse that. Mm. So in this case, in 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 Westbury, it's a strike. Yeah, a community strike. It's a community strike. It was protected, but now it has. It's not protected anymore. Anymore. Yeah, that's mm. why there's police involved. That's yeah. why there's a community. There was a community leader who was um, leading, leading, leading the community and was injured. Yeah. So when you look at a protest, a protest is when um, a group of people express an ob- objection mm. on, on on something that has been said or done. Mm. So while a march is where people go out and just. Um, Almost gather. Gather, yeah, into talking about something or comp- not complaining in a way, but coming together and... and, and Raising uh, some sort of awareness. Awareness, yeah. Mm. That's a difference. So people are saying, ah, the protest in Westbury, ah, the march. It's not a march. It's a strike. It's a strike. So we're just getting the difference there. Mm. And is it is it is it still protected now? Or because I have seen that in the news, it's, it's actually gone quite... You know, it's moved past the point where the community is coming together to say enough is enough with this drug violence. Um, it's now come somewhat looking violent as well. I think now it, it has gotten out of hand. Mm. Um, even the police can't control the minister of the minister of police. This morning was was there. Mm. It's it's something else now. They can't control it. But I'm glad that now we've spoken about the differences between the three things. Yes, thank you so much, Sia Bonga, for our legal hotspots for this week. You can you are tuned into Law Focus on VFM eighty eight point one. Let's continue with the show as we discuss illegal abortions. Rounding up all, all the top stories of the week is Legal Hotspots. More than 20 years after abortion became legal for everyone in South Africa, we're still not talking about safe legal terminations, whether it is amongst friends, colleagues, family, or even in some cases at clinics and health centers. When we fail to have these conversations about safe abortions, we actually create stigmas, and stigmas become the core reason why many re- women suffer or even die at the hands of illegal abortionists through backstreet abortions or even even self-induced abortions. But stigmas are not the only cause of backstreet abortions. You know, we actually have a very serious issue of access to health services in the country. And this is why illegal abortions thrive. We have got posters all over our CBD, leaving vulnerable women with no choice but to use illegal providers as their options. But where are the posters that counter this narrative? Where are the posters that inform women that, you know what, abortion is legal and it can be done safely in most public hospitals? 
it's not only the need to have our health systems, to have better conversations with people around abortion, but it's also the treatment, embarrassment and the dismissal women have to face from staff, which is actually enough to drive anyone to uh, illegal abortion route. In South Africa, those who refuse to provide a termination of pregnancy do so actually in the terms of Section 15 of the Constitution, which guarantees the right to freedom of conscious, religious thought, belief and opinion. I'm joined on the line by Dr. Malusi Dlamini, who is a trained abortionist. So, Doctor, you describe yourself as an abortionist. What is that? Abortionist is somebody who is basically trained to um, provide abortion care. I'm basically a, 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 a doctor, but um, I've gone for um, a training for abortion um, um, care provision. Um, so abortion is it's basically anybody who is trained to, to, to do abortions. It could be a nurse, it could be a doctor. Any of us is, is an abortionist. Mm. And so when we talk about um, people who are trained to do abortions, um, I believe obviously um, in terms of the, the, the medical term, there is something called a conscientious objector. What is that? Yes. Basically, the, um, the, the law allows any medical professional who works in a, um, a facility that offers abortions to say that they're not going to do the abortions um, because of certain beliefs, be it moral, be it religious, be it whatever. So the, the law does allow that room for people to say no because of um, my beliefs about abortions or about life, about choice, I'm not going to do abortions. So mm. that is, that is um, somebody who um, we, we call a conscientious on, on objector. Um, but what people don't know about this conscientious, conscientious objection is that they actually do um, provide care to abortion um, um, clients should there be an emergency. And the other thing is that um, if you are an objector, you have to know where you can send your clients should somebody say come to you and say I, I would like to have an abortion but you say no I don't do abortions and the law requires that you know where they can actually get um, an abortion so once you meet somebody who who, who, who needs an abortion um, mm. and they, you are their first point of contact they should still get help even if it's not going to be from you mm. you are going to send them to somebody who's going to help them and you're going to make sure that the person who um, you refer them to will actually do help them. So let's be because that's a very interesting point because firstly I didn't even know that as a medical you know practitioner you can actually you know refuse to treat someone in regards to that sense um, but I do appreciate the fact that it is a law and it is you know also accommodating of other medical practitioners and their beliefs but I want to know what is the reality of actual um, as we call so-called objectors actually sending patients uh, to, 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 to people such as yourself? Um, there are a couple of problems with this um, conscientious objection. One is that um, it, it lowers the numbers of people that are available to offer the, the, the services. Um, for example, in my department, I think there's 26, 28 of us, um, and there's only two of us who are trained. And the, the thing about where I work is that actually you don't need to be trained to be an, an abortion provider because um, part of what we do every day is is abortion. We do medical abortions, by the way, like beyond 20 weeks, but we can talk about that. Um, so everybody who works in my department knows how to do an abortion. They actually don't need to be trained. So anybody in my in my department can um, provide abortion care, but no, there's only two people in my department who do that. Um, 
so what this um, conscientious objection does is that it lowers the numbers of people who, who offer the services because people can easily opt out because it, it kind of lessens the work that they have to do. If I don't do abortions, then, you know, I do A and I, 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 my, my work is just from A to D and I don't do from E to Z. That, that, that's not me. That's that's coming to, to sort out. Hmm. Um, and the other thing is that people don't actually know the law when it comes to conscientious objections. They just know that they can... And we basically opt out of of giving care, but they don't know what what exactly the law says. And it's actually not even, <clears throat> um, um, like like I said earlier on, that you 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 are allowed to to say no, but once there's an emergency um, um, of a client uh, who's had an abortion and they come. Well, they have, they've had um, um, an illegal yeah, abortion, and and they come and they they need to actually have, uh, say say for example, there's there's still something left in in the room that needs to be taken out, and it's an emergency. You as a person who's um, who's objecting will actually do the procedure. You will finish off whatever um, the legal providers um, legal providers have done. You mm. will have to do it because the law says you will do it. There's no objection when it comes to an emergency. And a lot of people don't know that because we, we, we see people saying, hi, um, there's somebody who, who's had an illegal abortion and she's quite sick. Um, can the people who are doing abortions just come and help? So um, I don't think the law is quite clear on that. Uh, I don't think people know that. Um, the reality of them sending them to, to, to people who, who, who provide abortions, we don't know. Um, where, where I work, the... Like I said, I work in the gun department, so I, I don't have people coming straight to me. So somebody has to send the patient to me because they don't know me. They mm. don't know that I'm the guy who, who does abortions at work. So somebody has to send them to me. So I get a lot of stories about people saying that they actually don't. Um, because somebody who doesn't um, provide abortions will just tell the, the clients that uh, we don't have abortions at this hospital and send them back. Or... Um, they will give them false information. And I, I've had a lot of cases like that where wow. people are told that they are too, the pregnancy is too advanced for, for, for an abortion, which was not true, hmm. um, that we don't have um, the services where I work, which was also not true. So the, 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 the thing about them, referring them to, uh, to another person who actually will provide um, the service, I don't think it's, it's, it's really a reality because um, remember it's, it's it's a belief which you kind of project on other people. Correct. Um, so so if 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 you, if you if you are objecting because of a religious view, then you think that nobody should have an abortion whether they need it or not. Mm. So when somebody comes and 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 says I would have an abortion, I would like to have an, an abortion, you don't necessarily help them because you know. I don't know what happens in, in your head because you're thinking maybe you referring to them to somebody is you taking part in in abortion. So the moral the, the moral question also now comes into play. Yeah. Along with the stigma, you mentioned something that um, you know caught my attention when you said sometimes people will come up with excuses that you know the pregnancy is too far along, or and you also mentioned that you do medical abortion. There's a lot of people actually that don't know the stages in which a person can get an abortion and the different types. Could you walk us through that? Yeah. So the law allows us. Um, um, if you know that there's there's been. Um, a choice of termination of um, pregnancy act since 1996. Um, it, it allows the pregnancy to be terminated until um, up to 20 weeks. Um, so between um, actually less than 12 weeks, it can be done by a nurse at a, a, a lower level of care. Um, and 
the 11, 12 weeks, we don't need a reason to 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 um, want to have a, um, a termination. As long as you don't want the pregnancy anymore, the law, um, the law says you can have the, the termination. So that's from so 12 between, weeks or less? Yeah, 12 weeks or less. Okay. So between, between 13 weeks and 20, we need to have a reason why the pregnancy needs to be terminated. Um, um, where can afford the pregnancy or the baby um, after it is born. Um, so any, any socioeconomic status that um, you, you, you uh, as a medical practitioner think that you know, uh, is going to affect this pregnancy somehow, you, you can say, no, let's terminate the pregnancy. Um, if the pregnancy is going to affect the woman or the fetus um, negatively, um, their health negatively, um, that pregnancy needs to be terminated. So between 13 and 20 weeks, we actually need a reason why the pregnancy is I mean, the pregnancy needs to be terminated. And usually it's a decision of the medical provider. But it becomes tricky because then how how am I as a medical provider, I'm a medical practitioner or an abortion care provider, mm. I'm, I'm, am I going to say to somebody that I don't think you're going to afford this pregnancy financially? Let's, let's terminate. So for me, they, I, I always leave it to, 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 to the client to say, I don't think I can um, afford this pregnancy. And then we explore you know, um, whether or not they can afford it. And if they, if they can't, if I agree with them that they can't afford it, then we can do the termination. Mm. Um, so we have different kinds of, of abortions. You have medical, you have surgical, and you have illegal. And um, I always talk about also self-induced abortion. So medical abortion, basically you're using a pill, um, whether it is swallowed, whether it's put under the tongue, or whether it's put in the vagina to induce abortion. Um, what... We don't know, especially with the illegal um, providers, they don't know when to give the pill or when to do the surgical mm-hmm. abortions. Surgical abortions is basically you're using instrumentation to get the pregnancy out of the womb. Um, but it, it, it usually goes with the medical abortion. So you give the pills first to open up the womb and then take out, I mean, strip out whatever um, is left in, in, the, in the womb. And then you have illegal abortions. Illegal abortions, basically, they, use, they only use one method, most of them. But I, I heard that some of them actually use, use surgical. Um, basically, it, they, those people are not trained to be um, providers. For, 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 for an abortion to be legal, um, it has to be done by, t- by a person who is trained. It has to be done at a facility which is accredited by the MEC um, of Health in that province. Um, and number two, it has to be done appropriately, as in um, depending on the, on the gestation, which is um, the duration of pregnancy, it has to be done properly. Like, are we doing medical here? Are we doing surgical? Are we doing mm. both? The person who's doing it would know as to what needs to be done when. And then these self-induced abortions that I talk about, um, you know, I, I, I get people who, who've taken things like bleach trying to, to um, induce abortions and they, they don't work. All they make you um, is sick and you mm. end up in hospital um, almost dying because you try to I mean, use an abortion, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect the pregnancy at all. It only affects you. Mm. Um, and, and it's quite common, actually, because I think there's a lot of information out there that people are sharing about how you can actually induce an abortion, and none, none of it, none of it works. Actually works, yeah. So, yeah. 
So, I mean, you, you mentioned something that was very interesting about uh, what is required for an abortion to be legal. Uh, nowadays, I mean, we all know the, the colorful, multicolored pamphlets that are distributed around the CBD offering these illegal abortions. But now what happens when, you know, you, you can actually even Google search abortions and we've got websites and, you know, places and clinics that look legit but they're not legit at all. How can we recognize when something is actually an illegal abortion just from walking in and saying, okay, something is missing here? Um, it's quite tricky because um, we, we, we don't know. Um, and firstly, um, most, most, most abortions will come from um, public health facilities. And then the private providers, um, we don't even know who is supposed to be um, accredited. Um, there, there isn't um, a website where you can go and say, okay, is this place where I'm going to go in CBD accredited? We don't know, but they are there. Um, so it's pretty true to, 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 to say um, this is not um, accredited and this is accredited. But what I would tell you is that they, they, they definitely wouldn't know what they're doing. If you go to a place where um, they say they have off abortions, but they, they, they can't um, counsel you about HIV, they can't counsel you about um, contraception, they can't counsel you about PrEP, they can't counsel you about um, preventing future pregnancies, um, they can't um, refer you to a trauma counseling service if you rape, those kind of things. Mm. Um, you, you will definitely know that this is definitely not a place um, where um, abortion takes place legally. Um, so, Abortion services are, are not just about um, um, maternity and pregnancy. There's a lot um, of things that um, go with it. Because um, the, preg- the pregnancy is, is unwanted and it happened um, most of the time by mistake. So how do we, how, how do we um, prevent the mistake from happening again? So um, a lot of that comes into play when um, an abortion service is provided. So we, we have to, to talk about HIV. We have to talk about um, um, contraception. Mm. We have to talk about PrEP. We have to talk about a lot of things. Um, and like I said, if, if you raped, I need to know where to send you um, for trauma counseling, even if you don't want to open a rape case. I need to know how to deal with you. So uh, illegal providers don't do that. And, and, and if you watch um, documentaries on people trying to, 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 to um, interview these people, they don't even care about how many weeks you are. Mm. Um, all they do is just give you pills. And just a final question, Doctor. You know, there is a heavy stigma around abortion and a heavy miseducation. As an abortionist, what is your call for people to know more about abortion, to, you know, inform themselves and, you know, to better inform other people should the situation ever arise? What would you say we can do to break the stigma? I think... um and I always say this, I, I feel like we need to agree on what abortion is because largely in society, abortion is killing an, an, an unborn baby. It's, it's not terminating an unwanted pregnancy um, or a pregnancy that, that is um, a danger to, to mom or to, to, um, to fetus. Um, so uh, until we actually change our mindset and, and stop seeing um, abortion as um, an act of killing an unborn baby, I think there's still a lot of work to be done. Because, um, you know, and I, I, when I do training, I tell people that even if, even clients that come in um, to, to seek those abortion services, they, they probably do have stigma against abortion themselves anyway, because they come from this very same society that says abortion is, um, um, is, is, um, is wrong. 
So there's a lot of work that you need to do when you are actually doing abortion. It doesn't mean that um, somebody working in um, thinks abortion is okay. They, they, they may come in because they're quite desperate to have this pregnancy terminated, but they still think abortion is wrong. Mm. So the, the, the problem for me is how we define abortion um, as a society. For me as a provider, um, it's easy. Um, I'm ending an unwanted pregnancy, but you know, for, for, for somebody who's out there in the community, it's, um, it's killing, and 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 I, I'm, you know, until we have this conversation where we we say that let's have a uniform definition of what a proposal is. I, I think there's still a lot of work to be done there. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that come into play when we, when we're talking about abortion. There's morals, there's, there's religious beliefs, there's cultural beliefs. Um, you know, I I I had somebody asking me just last week um, because apparently. Um, they were saying that they were told if you have an abortion, you know, you're going to affect your husband in the future in some way. And they're told things wow. like it's going to affect your fertility, which is not true. So, mm. you know, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. Mm. Um, and that drives um, the stigma quite a lot. Um, we, we, we need to, to, to have open discussions about this. Absolutely. Uh, if, if if you have if you look at the way your providers um, advertise their their their, um, their services, they say abortion, call this number. But have you ever seen um, um, an advert saying at at this clinic there are abortions provided? No, you'll never see that. Even Absolutely. in the clinic, in the facility itself, mm. there would never be a sign that says, you know, if you want abortion, go go straight or turn left or turn right. Mm. We don't we don't have that kind of advertising. So um, even as the people who are providing the abortion, we we, we still you know um and um free enough to talk about the abortions. Um, Freely, um, but that, that's what we're trying to do lately with with, with, with the work that we're doing. That like, let's talk about abortions the way um, um, abortions are talked about in everyday life. Awesome. So if, if 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 in the community abortion is called abortion, then let's call it abortion. Let's not talk, call it um, um, clinics of pregnancy because one of our clinics they have um, um, the, the signage at the clinic um, and it says free top. But I, I, I ask. If somebody is, is, is working in here and they ask, they're afraid to ask the security guard, where can I get an abortion? How will they know that the C-top area is where they're supposed to to, um, to, to go for an abortion? But what is C-top anyway? Because what you're doing is just, uh, termination of pregnancy for me is jargon, it's, it's medical jargon. Yes. And abortion is exactly the same that women need. So we need to use the language that women need. Um, I mean, you, um, the, the community at large is using for us to, to you know, to kind of break the ice and engage with them and have the conversations that are needed to, to, to be had. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Malusi Dlamini. If anybody needs to get a hold of you or the institution of which you work for, how can one do that? Well, uh, there's a couple of ways you can um, get through to me. Um, I do a lot of, of, of helping on Twitter, actually. <laughs> um, do, awesome. So what's your Twitter I, handle? Do, you can give us your Twitter handle. Um, the Twitter handle is at Malusi underscore MD. Awesome. Um, or you can email me and I can um, send it to, to, the, to, to the, um, the facility near them if I know. So you can get, give them my email address. Absolutely. I'll definitely do yeah. that. In fact, I'll, I'll actually just do that as, as we wrap up the interview. So let me just do the, the, the outro one last time quickly. Is that fine? <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Dr. Malusi Dlamini, who has given us so much information that's so important to every man and woman about abortion. Thank you so much again. That was Dr. Malusi Dlamini. If you do wish to contact him in regards to anything about termination of pregnancy, you can find him on Twitter at Malusi underscore MD. You are listening to Law Focus. Let's continue the conversation. I want to know why you think backstreet abortions profit over clinics and NGOs that offer safe and legal abortions. You can send me a WhatsApp voice note on 084-078-4912. Law Focus. Point, point of information. Our Law Focus reporter, Millicent Indiweni, attended the launch of a Mary Stopes Health Clinic in Gandhi Square, which specializes in women's sexual reproductive health. She had the opportunity to speak to a few individuals from the organization as to how they ensure safe and legal abortions. Counter to that, uh, Millicent also had a conversation with an illegal abortion clinic, which operates right here in the CBD of Johannesburg. She posed as a 15-week pregnant woman seeking an abortion. I think this is something very interesting. Let's listen to the difference. to Brenda Bamuza, regional manager at Mary Stopes, about her experience and the work that she does there and has been doing there for the past 20 years. The woman comes first here. So getting into this, it was not easy. We, you have to be, you, you, you'll be judged, people will give you names and whatever, but that doesn't change who you are, what is it that you want. So if you don't know what you want, you just change because you want to make people happy. But I still stand and say I'll advocate and strongly for women rights. With a termination, it's a silent choice. It's only about you because you don't want to be judged, you don't want to be stigmatized. We have the act in place, however, 21 years down the line, the act being in place, we're still having the challenges because uh, we're still having the fight against the illegal providers or unsafe providers, to, if you, you, you want to put it that way. And the problem is because of the stigma around termination and the people don't want to be judged and all those things. And people don't understand that stigma starts with you. It begins with you stigmatize yourself before somebody stigmatizes you. So if we can understand our rights and understand the ownership and make the decision on our own so that we can have the ownership of our own fertility. We also spoke to marketing manager at Mary Stope, South Africa, Whitney Chinokwenya, who shared the same sentiments as Brenda. So the main issue with illegal abortions is access to services, right? So they thrive because there's not a lot of um, legal places that they can go to. So if you try to go to a government facility, for example, um, the service is not offered. So people end up going to a place where it's easily accessible right because there's posters everywhere just walk out the streets they're everywhere right um so what our strategy is is raising awareness of all the access points um it's not a lot of them but we do the best that we can and already if we look at the last census that was done 30 percent of women said they didn't know abortion was legal so people already still have the thought that I'm doing something wrong and this comes from the stigma because society tells us it's wrong. It's something that we feel we must hide so we'd rather go to the sir by the corner. 
So yeah, so we've tried removing posters. I'll give you an example. I said for our Mafi Kate clinic, there's a big electrical box where they plaster posters, you know? And we take them down because it's right outside, but when you come back in the morning, it's filled again. So it's like a, yeah, it's a constant battle, and I think it's something that everybody needs to work together on. Like, um, Department of Health, Department of Police, everybody just needs to start to work together to try and eradicate it. Mary Stopes subsidizes women who cannot afford the termination of pregnancy. Chinokwenya believes that the government is not doing enough to prevent illegal backstreet abortions. The thing is, not a lot has been done, you know. I think if we look at just the way the government is set up, even if you walk into a public clinic right now, you'll never see a poster about abortion. You'll see stuff about HIV and TB, and then they act like this is not happening. So there is a lot of people ignoring it. You know, so there's more that can be done. Finally, we called an illegal abortion clinic about their role in abortion practices, particularly with their disregard to the Choice on Termination of Pregnancy Act, which gives clear timeframes and conditions under which termination can be permitted. Like I said, your case, if you need your help, we're going to help you. Mm-hmm. I'm you just understand? trying to prepare myself, you know, so that... For your case, it's going to be out clinic procedure. We're going to give you just medication, you understand? Because mm. your, your thing is too early. It's not that far. It's not that far. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I don't know because I was... The reason I'm asking all these questions... It's because I was just reading on the internet about, you know, um, yes. going, trying to get a place to do an abortion. It depends where you get the information, first of all. It was the Pregnancy Act, the one that was instituted there, in 1996. Most of the acts, they discourage people make, doing abortion in mm. the first place. Because for them, they consider like, how can you wait until you're 12 weeks and and then you decide to do a termination. They will consider you like you're not serious. Like, even me, I can ask you right now, why did you wait until it's 16? That's what they are trying to do. What the law? It's the law, but who made it wasn't supporting a person. He thought that maybe within one to eight weeks, you've made a decision that I'm not continuing with this child or not. But we do it up to, 40, to 24 weeks, like I say. We've done it and we're doing it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, then I want you to understand, like I've been explaining to you. Mm-hmm. Hello? No, I'm listening. You were saying you want me to understand. You've been explaining to me. Yeah, because you see what? Mm. They will tell you the law says this, but the law doesn't know about you. It actually doesn't know about you who have said to do it on the 16th. I guess they're just trying to make sure that people are safe and they're not hurt. I really, I understand, but me, I know, because you just go read, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of information which can even make you not even to go on with your procedure. If you're looking for information, you're going to get the information. Okay, well, you sound like... I was just saying, you sound like someone whom I can speak to. Are you a doctor? Yes, I am. That's why you're talking to me. I know what I'm saying and everything that I told you, I'm sure of it. Are you going to give me the address that I can come to? Yeah, I'll give you. Yeah, you can come to Carlton Center. You call us when you're there. No focus. Point, point of information. 
We asked you what, in your opinion, makes backstreet abortions thrive. And this is what you had to say through um, the WhatsApp voice notes. I think the reason why like illegal abortions ne, strive better than NGOs and with um, governmental clinics and all those other things, I think it's a matter of that some of them are cheaper, even though, yes, it might be free at other clinics. Ne, but some people just, they, they don't feel the need to actually go there. They want to do it like like in secret how about about or okay but like you know I actually went to do such a thing you know I feel like we all have like different perspectives when it comes to it and some people they do it because they feel like that's the only choice they have to go there other than Hoyakotlinikin I think it's because they don't want to actually be part of the states because if you go to a clinic you're going to be part of the states. They're going to say uh, a certain percentage of uh, these abortions happened today or this year. So if you use the back route, they, they, they are not actually going to have you on record. Fear of going to the clinic, uh, a communal clinic, because uh, you might find people who know you there or maybe the nurse is a friend of your, your your mother or something something like that i think that people aren't always aware that these clinics are safe and for a lot of people people are usually quite scared of hospitals eh, and clinics so i don't believe i think it's it also adds more pressure actually walking into a formalized institution and signing, um, you know, like an application to formally go through. Although it is much safer, I think um, people might rather go where... It's also word of mouth, hey? I think people also say, you know, I went wherever and it's very safe, it's very clean, it's quick, it's easy, it's confidential, no one will ever know. I think it's because everyone knows when you go to the... When you go seek professional help, what about things like cancelling? And people don't want to go through that process of why do you want to do this? Do you know the consequences? They just want to get done with it. So those kind of questions for cancelling and all, they're kind of judgmental as they take it, but then not knowing what it's actually to make them, to help them to be certain, do you really want to do that? That question is what everyone is running away from. By my perspective, yeah, what I think makes the Backstreet uh, abortion more valid for people is because in clinics they ask a lot of questions for starters. They ask you, why did you have to go around sleeping with boys? You knew your consequences. There are condoms, things like that. They don't directly help you and they just traumatize you even more with that pregnancy. So like, it's, it's more reasonable for us to just go like, the big street one because when you get there they only tell you ask you how many months you want it done now only you want to take the baby with you when you take it out stuff like that so clinics say clinics are the process they even might even involve your parents and the reason to like terminate the pregnancies for people not to find out I think mostly it's for privacy you know people don't want to they don't want the public to know that you are aborting or something so if you do it in back, back seat whatever many people won't know it's not like in the clinic you may meet someone you know at any point, so they don't want people to know about it. I honestly think it's a thing of shame because a lot of people don't want to admit that they've had that done, so to do things via the back door, it's it's much easier. Your mother probably knows somebody who works at the clinic and they, they, they'll end up going and telling your family, Kanti Ulz was here earlier to get an abortion. 
it's easier to do things via the back door because no one will know unless you tell them. I feel like if you're in that mental space to get an abortion, I feel like you're not really that concerned about your own safety because you're not even considering your unborn child. The Choice of Termination of Pregnancy Act of 1996, also known as Act No. 92 of 1996, is the law governing abortion in South Africa. It allows abortion under broadly specified circumstances. So this act has been described, in fact, as one of the most liberal abortion laws in the world. But if we fast forward to today, it's still difficult for women to access safe abortions. I mean, we have essentially made illegal abortions accessible because we're not implementing the law. And this is largely because we don't know the law. There are still women in our country who believe abortion is illegal. I mean, what good is a woman's constitutional right to choose when she knows nothing about it? We are continuing the conversation and I am joined in studio by Zwanaka Nechufulani, an investigative officer at the WITS Gender Equity Office. So let's get straight into it. The Choice of Termination of Pregnancy Act. Uh, it came into effect in 1997 and it basically guarantees women of all ages the right to seek an abortion. Let's unpack this act a little bit and tell us or you know, what this act actually entails. So the Choice and Termination of Pregnancy Act simply provides for um, time frames and areas where you can ask for or receive an abortion. So you do have private clinics like your marriage stops, but you also have government facilities that are mandated to provide abortion services. So it simply so, so it gives you the different time frames for when you can abort or request an abortion and what the conditions for those are. So before 12 weeks, in other words, in the first trimester, any reason upon request, you can request an abortion. Um, but from the 13th up to the 20th week, um, if a woman wants to have an abortion, has to be with a medical practitioner and the medical practitioner can grant the abortion if they have if they have if they hold four opinions one that the pregnancy would would pose a risk of injury to her or to her mental health which is very important so physical or mental health mm. um if there exists a substantial risk that the fetus would suffer from a severe deformity or disability whether mental or physical um whether the pregnancy if the pregnancy resulted from rape or incest and if the continued pregnancy would significantly affect her social or economic status. Mm. So if she just can't afford to have another child or if it's just going to hurt her socially yes. to have another child, yeah. then it's okay, she can do so. So it doesn't have to be this uh, death type of situation where it's life or death. But if she feels that I can't have another kid, I already have too many months to feed, then she can make that decision. After the 20th week, you can only get an abortion if it's going to endanger the mother's life. It would result if, if, if the continued pregnancy or the live birth would result in a severe malformation or if it would pose a risk of injury to the fetus. So the requirements get a lot higher the further and further you go along the pregnancy. Mm. So I know in the act as well, it, it, it also just gives that woman, of course, that choice, mm. which is so important. It's so crucial. But, you know, in your opinion, has this act actually been implemented? I mean, if we're talking about, yes, you can get an abortion in certain periods, um, as well as, you know, age, any, 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 any woman mm. can get an abortion at any age. Mm. Um, but if we're looking at the conversation around it being accessible, mm. Mm. is that a real thing? 
So it is so abortion is accessible in the sense that you can get one pretty easily, but it also very much depends on your geographical location. So if you are living in an area where there are no basic services and they only have the bare minimum, uh, maybe blood transfusion services and things like that, then they're not going to have facilities like abortions. For example, um, if you live in a more cosmopolitan area like Johannesburg, Gauteng, obviously it's more accessible. There are still a lot of stigmas attached to getting abortions mm. so your so your barrier might not necessarily be the accessibility either of the surgical procedure or the pills that you would need to take but the attitudes of nurses midwives doctors to you having an abortion and their opinions and feelings about whether or not you should be having one so those types of things mm. but if they're already if there's if there's a lack of services generally so the people who need arguably abortions the most you know women who are poor who need to be able to make decisions about the economic livelihoods are then again right at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to access to healthcare services in regard to abortions whereas women in more urban areas find it more easily accessible simply because those particular areas are more well serviced in terms of services that's really it and when i think when we talk about um the difference between um the areas and of course you know we're definitely looking at the difference between women who can actually access you mm-hmm. know abortion facilities and services prior to this act that kicked in in 1997 we had one um that was a 1975 abortion and sterilization act mm. so i believe that was obviously in the apartheid era and mm. what it did is of course it discriminated against black and colored women mm. in regards to getting access to mm. um abortion clinics mm. do you think because of you know how deeply rooted um, our country is in terms of the past, does that still affect those who can access abortions now? And you mentioned something about stigma. Mm. Do you think that act, that act prior to 1997 is still in place now in some way? Well, I think it is. Um, I think you see it in one geographical location, but I also think you see it in certain attitudes. I mean, there are sections of South Africa or parts of South Africa that are very deeply religious. Um, you know, uh, you think about conservative communities like places like Oranya, for example, um, areas surrounding very like Christian strongholds or Muslim strongholds or any sort of religion that is very conservative and believes in the sanctity of life and the sanctity of children and that children are a blessing. You will see those types of attitudes prevalent there. But also because we don't sort of screen medical personnel based on their faith, you could walk very easily into an abortion clinic and find Okoko who's very conservative and does not believe in abortion at all. Or might have an opinion about how old you are when you get the abortion. Or might have an opinion about the fact that you are married but haven't asked for your husband's permission. So she'll give you the medication but you might experience quite a significant amount of trauma Mm. and judgment and stigmatization afterwards. Mm. Um, um, or rather before getting that abortion or getting the medical procedure done. Um, that's one, that's two. So the alternative would be then going to a private clinic. But those can be very prohibitively expensive for mm. people. You could also just go to your own personal private doctor and get it from there. But again, if you don't have access to that kind of health care, then it's going to be very difficult to do so. And I think in terms of the, the, the healthcare system, it gets a little bit controversial when we talk about um, uh, medical practitioners who have you know, uh, the refusal of treatment. Mm. And when we look at the act, and of course this is a constitutional act, mm. and the refusal of treatment is also a, a constitutional act, do they in some way, you know, clash? Mm. How does it work? Why are medical practitioners allowed to say, I refuse to treat you due to my uh, moral or religious beliefs? 
So I think it's a balancing. So there are very few rights in the constitution that are absolute. Um, one of so that those rights are known as non-derogable rights. In other words, you can't derogate or in any way take away from them. So one of them is the right to life. Um, yeah, one of them is the right to life. So there's no there's no limitation that you can place on the right to life, which is why we no longer have the death penalty because there's no limitation that you can place that justifies the taking away of a right. But other rights can be limited. Uh, socioeconomic rights can be limited. Subject to budgetary constrictions, um, your right to liberty can be limited by the state because you've committed a crime, but life can't. Um, religion, as well, or the right to medical health care in the sense of an abortion, can be limited if faced off against another person's right. So limitations happen where the government feels that there's a legitimate purpose that it's trying to achieve, or where there's a balancing act that you need to uh, carry out between one person's rights and another person's rights. So, for example, um. The right to freedom of expression is limited when it begins to turn into the incitement to violence or hate speech against another person. So it's my right, for example, to be lesbian or transgendered versus somebody, some pastor's right to preach against the sin of homosexuality in mm. church, for example. So there's a limitation. If he, so he has a right to preach about it, but then if he starts inciting people to harm each and every single black lesbian they see, then you're clashing with my rights. And then we have to engage in a limitation analysis. Mm. So neither the right to receive an abortion as is absolute when faced off against the medical practitioner's right to exercise their religion. Hmm. I mean, that's very interesting. So when we walk around the CBD, uh, this is something we see every day. Sometimes we even make, you know, light of it and we hmm. joke about it. Hmm. These multicolored posters that we see, you know, abortion here, uh, safe and painful abortions here. Um, what does that say about, you know, the implementation of this act? in regards to our legal system and, and, and we can look at things like police as well. The mm. fact that we can allow this advertising of illegal abortions, mm. what does that actually say about our legal framework? Mm. So I think our police are generally faced with various systemic challenges, um, budgeting numbers, staff numbers, not being able to have enough police on the ground in and of itself. Um, I think illegal abortions... Illegal abortion advertising is tricky because you require a policing presence or some kind of monitoring presence to be able to take those posters down and so on and so forth. But it's very, and you're right, very tightly tied to the service that people receive at designated areas or centers for abortions. If you walk into a clinic and Unes comes out and says, sorry when I wear abortion yesterday. I mean, you you already feel afraid and hesitant to do that. And many of us very rightfully expect that kind of treatment at government facilities, for example. If you are in a place that is far flung in the rural areas where you know there's no place for you to safely get an abortion or your closest clinic has a bunch of Christian doctors mm. or a bunch of very conservative doctors or medical practitioners and nurses who aren't willing to facilitate those things, it then pushes women into this very difficult and dangerous space where they have to get back street abortions to get something that is that is you know guaranteed to them by statute so i think it is very much linked to service delivery or delivery of of that um, procedure when it comes to when it comes to abortions and do you know anything about um the prosecuting of these people who are found distributing um abortion pills or, mm -hmm. or actually conducting these uh, illegal abortions um, so in terms of Section 10 of the Choice of Term Termination of Pregnancy Act, if you are not a medical practitioner or a registered midwife or someone who has completed the prescribed training course and you perform 
an abortion if you are not in sec- so in section 211A or 211A which is the one up to 12 weeks or if you are a medical practitioner or a midwife who is not uh, registered and performs any of the abortions in section 2 or if you are someone who prevents the lawful termination of a pregnancy or obstructs access so again those medical practitioners that refuse yes, for religious deny, reasons yes. yes you will be guilty of an offense and liable on conviction to a fine or to imprisonment for a period not exceeding 10 years wow so the maximum sentence that you can get for that is pretty serious at least 10 years any person who contravenes or you fail to comply with any provision of section 7 which deals with uh, the notification and the keeping of records for example around abortions can also be guilty of an offense and liable to a fine or imprisonment not exceeding 6 months so the government does seem to take the offense very very seriously but very often you don't find them enforcing it because there's a sort of counter counterweight counterbalance of people's Uh, religious objections Mm. to doing so. And finally, just as a country, um, South Africa, how far do you think we still have to go or how far have we come in regards to having the conversation around abortion? So I think South Africa is pretty progressive. I mean, we only rolled this out in 1996 and started rolling out the procedure thereafter. So it's not bad in terms of rollouts, in terms of access, in terms of destigmatization, right? Um, when you look at places like the United States who have had abortion law since 1973, the barriers to getting an abortion are significant. People very often compare it and say that it's a lot easier to get a gun than it is to get an abortion. You know? Very true. You need to go out of state sometimes, wait for 24 hours, get counseled are you sure about what you're doing and this is a human life etc etc those types of conversations don't happen with people that are getting firearms mm. you know even very high level high powerful um, firearms so I think South Africa is not doing that bad and I think it's also very important that we've had jurisprudence around it where people have approached the courts and said no but we have the right to life and how do you sort of limit that and courts have said sorry a person who is not yet born on earth up to 20 weeks does not have the same kind of rights as a living breathing human being who's a woman, you know, and you don't have the right to make decisions about someone's bodily autonomy for that. So I think it's very important that there's a recognition of that. I also think it's very important that the act itself recognizes things like mental health issues. Mm. So a mother just does not feel mentally ready and and prepared Mm. to have or to bring a baby into the world. I also think it's very important that we have uh, provisions about economic thoughts and ideas about whether or not I can have a child. If a woman says, I I can't afford a person, it's not this do or die or life and death dire situation where you really have to be about to lose a limb before you can abort a baby. So I think it's great that we're there legally. Mm. I think the challenge now is conscientizing and moving um, sort of conversations around that. But I think it's very tied as well to service delivery. I think if in areas and spaces where there isn't service delivery, where there isn't a lot of education, Anyways, those women who are already at so much risk for other sort of socioeconomic hassles and issues and struggles are going to be, um, I almost said a bad word, are going to be affected uh, most badly by it. It's very, it's very spatial. It's very based on geographical location. It's very based on socioeconomic class. Mm. It's very based on access to healthcare. Things that already give you access to adequate healthcare. If you decided to have a child that would have severe deformities later on, you know, much less somebody who's already on the back burner when it comes to access to such things. So I think it requires a more. So I think at conversation level, yes. there, it, a lot more destigmatization is important is required. Um, 
Um, I think at a social level, a lot more support is required for mothers, young mothers, unwed mothers, young black, young unwed mothers. Um, and I also think that generally speaking at a government level, better service delivery is necessary, better training is necessary, better staffing techniques are necessary to give women full and complete access to their rights. Thank you so much for joining us on Law Focus. Thank you for having me. That was Zonakwa who highlighted such crucial points when it comes to the choice of Termination Pregnancy Act. You're still tuned into Law Focus on VAW FM 88.1. Law Focus, handing you your rights. As we reflect on tonight's discussion, we spoke to Dr. Malusi Dlamini, who is not only a professional health practitioner, but an abortion activist. He highlighted how important it is for you as a listener, to know your medical rights and what should follow should a doctor refuse to treat you. We then also discussed the legalities of the Termination Act with Zona Aguanechufulani from the WITS Gender Equity Office, who unpacked the act for us. And, of course, um, she, she mentioned the stages of pregnancy in which you are allowed to terminate and, of course, the conditions surrounding each stage. We then also discussed the legalities of the Termination Act with Zona Ganechu Fulani from the WITS Gender Equity Office, who unpacked um, the act for us. She mentioned the, the stages of pregnancy in which you are allowed to terminate a pregnancy and, of course, the conditions around that. She also mentioned that sentencing can be up to 10 years for people who are found obstructing a person's right to terminate a pregnancy, as well as those found distributing medication or participating in any way in illegal abortions. From our producer, Bulali Diakob, our technical producer, Kutlano Serame, as well as our law focus researchers, Siabonga Mota and Millicent Indueni, and myself, Veronica Mahwadi, thank you so much for tuning into Law Focus tonight. Law Focus, Law focus on 88.1 Point of Information. Law Focus Podcast.